This is Rob Fnuff from the Counter Church Podcast, and you're listening to the Mantic Universe Podcast, the only podcast that has the balls to cover all their games. listening to the Mantic Universe podcast. I'm Chris and as ever I'm joined by my good friend Clem today with Yay. a good mic. Yay! Yay! Better sound quality. Perfect. And uh, today we're, we're lucky enough to be joined by Elliot Barrett and at some point possibly Steve Hildrew, although that's to be seen. Um, but uh, we just wanted to get Elliot on obviously to talk all things the Companion app. Um, so, Elliot, thank you so much for joining us tonight. No worries. Good to be here. Yeah, perfect. And, uh, yeah, we really appreciate you taking the time. Obviously, we've had a little bit of time to familiarise ourselves with the app. Um, and um, it's just a great time to get you on just to uh, to have a little chat about it. So thanks so much for joining us. Hey there, I'm Brian. And I'm Rick. From Dead Zone, the podcast. And you're listening to Mantic Universe Podcast. For everything Mantic under the sun. So, is it the best thing in the world ever? Almost. There's a few bits that I need to add, and then it'll it'll just be there. Cool. So, Elliot, why don't you give us a little background as to yourself? Obviously, you're a gamer yourself, and um, how you created your website, how that came about, and how that then transitioned into the Mantic Companion app. Sure. Um I mean, to go as far back as I can, I've been a war gamer for, oh, no, I'm thinking about it, over 28, 29 years. It's best not to think about it, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. So it was actually my brother who introduced it to me. And as a little brother, you always want to do whatever your older brother does. And I stuck with it throughout my life, basically. So back in the early days, it was obviously 40K Warhammer. And teen years, it, I moved more towards skirmish games, so things like um, War Machine and Hordes. And it was actually, this is very apt uh, to have Steve Hildrew on because Steve's videos on Death by Dragons got me into Kings of War. Oh, so I wouldn't fantastic. be here <laughs> or working for Mantic if I hadn't seen those videos. So we know who to blame. Exactly. And I've been a coder basically all my working life. So I tend to solve problems with code. If I need to know something or work something out, if I can code it, I'll try to. And that that meant that combined with a love of statistics, which my job before Mantics was heavily stats-oriented, so you're a very logical problem solver, it's probably fair to say. Now, you see, I've wondered about this. I either am, and that's why I do it, or I'm not, so therefore I need the code to do it. <laughs> excellent. Oh, hmm. excellent. Um, but I, for whatever reason, it it's one of those things where for code, I just found myself to be good at it over time. It was never really a, 
a direction. Uh, certainly not in the early years, but then I, I've grown into it throughout my working life. That's so interesting. So you didn't study at university or anything like that? Well, I, I did. The first the first time I encountered coding proper was at, when I did my first degree, which was nothing to do with code. It was audio production. But one of the modules on that was uh, web development. And as a result of that, I never really let go of it. So this was age 18. Um, my dad was a coder as well, so I had exposure to it before then. But um, nothing formal until university. And uh, it's it's just grown from there, really. So, Gosh, that's so interesting. And then I guess it was just a question of, oh, I wonder if I can solve this problem with a bit of code and going from there, I suppose. Well, exactly that. It started with the math hammer. And there is, um, I'm not sure if, if you're aware, but, and people will be, there's a website called GitHub where people store their code repositories, literally the things they've made in code. And there is a, a Kings of War math hammer floating around there. And I really, I wanted to get my head into it. It didn't have all of the bits that I want. So I really wanted to drill down into the combat side of Kings of War, uh, which I now realize isn't the be all and end all of Kings of War. But at that point it was, well, I need to make some decisions about what to buy. So I'm going to figure out what's the best statistically. Uh, so I just, I stole some of the code as coders do. And I referenced who originally wrote it in the comments as you should uh, and built it out. And that was kind of the, the start point of tactical war games world. And between that and wanting to do some painting videos for Mantic as well, because I saw that just I couldn't find any when I started Kings of War. This is a great point. Yeah, this is a fantastic mm -hmm. point. Yeah. Um that's how that's how Tactical War Games all came about. It was just a place to put my videos, um, share the Math Hammer tool uh, in its first iteration, uh, and go from there. Oh, it's pretty much how the pod came about, to be honest. It's just like, I wish this thing existed. It doesn't seem to, so let's just make it. Because I, I did think that was interesting because you had some kind of, this is how you paint a Forge Father yeah. on your on your website. Because I, I came across it probably in something like episode three or something like that, and I gave a shout out on the podcast. Um, it just it just seemed like you'd gone to an extraordinary amount of effort, and I was really surprised I hadn't heard of it. Um, and funnily enough, the last couple of years I've been trying and failing to teach myself Python. I'm I'm not a coder, <laughs> but it's kind of something I always felt I should do. Um, and <clears throat> the little project I gave myself, which has gone almost nowhere, was to try and create a tournament tool with Python for Kings of right. War. Um, <clears throat> but it, it really hasn't gone anywhere. But it's interesting. We both kind of had the same idea, except you actually followed through with it. Yeah, and in, funnily enough, Python is about one of the only languages I don't know. Um, it's Does very... anyone actually know Python? <laughs> well, yeah, I get that impression. And I think mostly it's computer science. Yeah, That's where it's taught and used. Yeah, that does scientists use it as well in my environment. But uh, I have the impression a lot of people use Python just uh, 
kind of hack around and uh, figure it. things along the way. I mean, every time I use it for work, like it's uh, like one week every year or something. It's just uh, Google up a lot of stuff and then forget everything the next week. I don't know. You, I'm just I mean, you've just described coding in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. That's To be fair, that's true for every language. 99% of the time, you just sat on Stack Overflow, which is a, a website for questions and answers. Yeah, I mean, knowing how to ask the right question and understanding yeah. which answers might be correct or worth trying out is uh, 99% of the skill, right? That's, that's true. it. Yeah, but the other thing is, I mean, why would you sit there for hours trying to figure something out when you know, almost certainly someone else has, has solved this exact same problem and, you know, it'll be much, much quicker to just go and check what someone else did. Uh, yeah, unless you enjoy that, the process of figuring it out anyway. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Cool. Um, yeah, and if you've got loads of time. Oh, I mean, it's, recording, it's, it's, it's recording. a hobby in itself, right? Elliot, thank you so much for mentioning that. It seems it's still recording, so sorry, dear listeners. Please, there we go. So this is the bit I should edit out, but I almost certainly won't. <laughs> Mr. Hildrew, are you on mute? Hello. So we're just about to be joined by some guy called Greg. Greg? And the last Greg episode... Greg, I know, yeah, I'm Greg, yeah, no. Oh dear, no. We'll get on to we'll get on to that later. So, um, Steve, so we, we've we've started recording. So we're just about oh, to speed. So Hello. Elliot has just. Firstly, he's blamed it all on you. So it was yeah. your Death by Dragons videos and your natural charm and charisma that lured him into Mantic Games. Right. I wonder and why he was so, talking to me. Yeah. Well, you know, someone's got to. And so if it wasn't for you, he would not be sitting with us today. So, you know, he's Sorry, to blame for Elliot's life choices. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and Elliot was just explaining the background of, you know, his his website and how his website. Well, we, I suppose we're just about to get to how his website became Mantic Companion. Well, yeah. I think it, was it not just relentless self-promotion, wasn't it? I think. With uh, the, yeah. With the sprinkling of MDF as well. <laughs> And what's that's Elliot? That's so all it what's, takes to become a successful part of Mantic Games: relentless self-promotion and a sprinkling of MDF. That's all it takes. Yeah. <laughs> so was it you'd created the site, and then did you, Elliot? Did you approach Mantic and say, "Hey, look what I've done! Look how clever I am! I can do stuff." Kind of, yes. Um, what I had also done in the sidelines was um, start an MDF movement tray little side business side thing um because as i was um looking around on places like etsy i couldn't find uh movement trays for some reason Warbase is the website passed me by um but i approached a laser cutter guy and uh found that it would be fairly cheap just to set up an etsy shop i could design all the bits and do that anyway as a course through that um I spoke to Matt at Mantic Games, who said they were looking to change their MDF supplier. I says, well, I know just the person, that person being me. So I sat in the middle uh, and supplied them with MDF for ages before I even talked about um, Tactical War Games World or the app or anything like this. Uh, originally, I was going to go down the route of designing and creating MDF terrain for them. 
so medieval looking houses but designed with the uh factions in mind so like northern alliance would be vikingy style huts and things like that oh this is exactly what i want to see for the game yes please do it so why did this so is this still talks ongoing or it sounds like this is in the past tense is this not going any further this is paused for the time being but being as i'm within the company it's something that we can do um i don't know if it's going to be thought about in the next six months because during that time my fingers will be furiously typing for everything companion um but yeah i mean it's they definitely strongly looked at it um so it could potentially be something in the future yeah so clem is very honest but i'm super corrupt so if you can get me some i will give it a very good review Well, the laser no questions asked. as we were, we I made one modular building that was like a Basilian type building. Um, so you're more than welcome to one of those because I can just do one of them. I would like one of those, please, very much. <laughs> this um, is, by the way, this is all going in the pod. I'm not editing this that's out. Fine. This is my corruption is is very much going on. You, there. Do, you, have, you have to afford the postage to Germany in this as well. It's not cheap. No, I'll pay. I'll pay postage. I'll pay the postage. Oh, oh you're going to pay the postage I'll now. No, I'll make his offer immediately. Oh no, no, I'll pay for that. If you, if you keep pushing, he'll end up paying you for the buildings as well. He's he's very very pushable. He's a very yeah. I'm a very shrewd negotiator. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> oh, fantastic. <laughs> that's that sounds amazing. So, are you still making bases, or is that taking a you know? No, I stopped that um, because I joined Mantic and the side thing. Just I wouldn't be able to. Um, there was a period where I was negotiating the exit of the previous company that i was part of and owned part of so i had some time for the the side thing to be a thing Uh, now i don't so much but uh, it introduced me to everybody at mantic um and then once i'd started speaking to other people in uh, in the office i decided uh they were going to give me a job Uh, and so i started on a furious campaign of making everybody use my stuff so that they would have no choice i noticed the uh, the use of uh you decided they were going to give you a job there yeah yeah absolutely yeah yeah i mean you've got you know you very extremely useful skills and many of them and you know why not you know yeah and i had effectively a year to prove it as well um and obviously this foot in the door with all the MDF stuff. So by then I was supplying them with all of the MDF bases, like the cavalry bases and things. So I was knocking at their door literally at least twice a month with deliveries, uh, sort of nudging them saying, by the way, I've got lots of ideas about what you should be doing. As we all do, to be fair. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, fantastic. And so, Elliot, just in case anyone's listening that doesn't know what the Mantic Companion app is, I'd, I'd be surprised. So it's not so this has caused some some level of upset online. So when when it's called an app, it's an application. It's not a sort of an iPhone application or something or an Android application, but you can 
access it via your phone and then save it on the home page as I have. So to me, it comes across effectively as a as a phone app, basically on my iPhone. Right. And so what you've done is you've it's a list builder. It's got it math hammer stuff in there as well. It's got rules in there and it supports Kings of War, Dead Zone. Yep. What else do we have? Uh, Firefight. Firefight. And I believe Armada is coming in January. Uh, I can't say January specifically, but very definitely early next year. Right. Fantastic. Fantastic. You also forgot to mention the tournament management stuff, Chris, in the future. Correct. Yeah. Perfect, buddy. Perfect. And all of the rankings and events all in one place. So if people use this, it sounds super, super exciting. Correct. So I, I, I need to address the uh, the app in the room, as it were. Um, it's funny because it depends on, I think, age group as to whether they refer to it as an app or not. As a developer, I refer to it as an app because it's been designed to be what's called a progressive web app which, as you alluded to, means you can install it on a device, a mobile device, just like any other app. You just do it via a browser. And what you will find, I think, and has already happened just generally with apps in the market, is that apps that do stuff with information, mainly text-based, they will all be served via um, this same thing, this progressive web app. Whereas all other types of apps, which would be games and things, will remain on app marketplaces. Um, so as a developer, it is an app. It's an app because you can install it. And it's an application that does something, just happens to be served via a, a browser. I think that's plenty of information on that. I think I don't <laughs> um, think we we're the kind of guys to I'll, go I'll, into. Is it actually should it be called app or not? I think that's I think we've addressed that. I, I was with you right up until you said it's an app, and then I lost you. Uh, I don't really understand the rest of it. From what yeah. <laughs> that's fine. And um, very quickly, <clears throat> is there any plan to make it also work uh, when you're not connected to the internet or? Yeah, so Does one of the things... Does it require the server? Uh, at the time? moment, it requires a server. Um, there, one of the development points that we've got in the future is to take some things to an offline mode. Exactly how much for the first release of that, I don't know. Um, but certainly, I would imagine just the rules, because that's a very easy thing to store uh, on a phone, for example. Yeah, and you I don't mean, really your own lists... To. Your own list as well is probably something you kind of want to see. Like, yeah, I know so, my local friendly gaming store has a very awful internet connection. For some reason, it's an old building. I don't know what's going on there, but I just don't get good cell reception. And so, yeah. So to store the list, that's fairly simple to do. Um, what is more difficult is to be able to build lists off offline. Right. I mean, so I you don't could build it think, and then store it. Yeah. Just being able to view the list, I think I'm yeah. happy with. It's, to be it's a first step. Yeah, I think it's a. It would be a good first step to, yeah. because what do you actually need when you're not home or, I correct? Know, yeah, uh, stuff like this. I mean, when you're in public <clears throat> transportation, maybe if you're in the subway, and but usually you get good network connection in the subway as well or decent. 
And of course, you know who to blame for all of this anyway. Maybe in Germany. Steve, Steve Hildrew. <laughs> so, potentially. I mean, he's just a, a good target regardless. But uh, it, the, the, mockery. the people who design how armies should be built and the rules around it, because the validation is the very tricky part around list building. The rest of it's fairly easy. It's just stats and you're adding and removing things, but it's the validation behind that you need the server to do, which is why it needs an internet connection. So you could build invalid lists offline? <laughs> yeah, potentially. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, um, the use case that I see is, uh, as I just described, in my own use case, is really bad connection at the FLGS or when it's in the basement or some place like that, uh, some gaming clubs have. Then, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's... And you obviously you couldn't submit it to a tournament or anything if you didn't have an internet connection anyway. So you know maybe if you could just create it and not validate it, just say you know if you're in a club or something, you could quickly come up with something. Yeah, um, I mean I, I want to, I personally want to move to, so that people can build offline as well. It's just a hell of a lot of work from where we are now. Right, um, and I've got to ask while I remember. I know Vanguard has been mentioned about maybe Ronnie said getting the Vanguard rules in the app, but at the moment, are there any plans to get Vanguard into the app? There are plans to get all current rule sets in the app. Um, I don't actually know what current rule sets is defined as at the moment. Um, it's ready and waiting. So at such point as they say, we want this in the app now, it'll be a few days and then it's in. Right. Yeah, that's fair enough. Cool. So, um, Clem, so Steve, you've had it for even longer than we have. Um, Clem and, and Steve, we've had access to the app now for at least a week. What's our initial mm. feedback? What are our initial thoughts? And, you know, don't spare Elliot's feelings, you know, really lay into him. I don't care about Elliot's feelings. God, I've met him. Um, oh, you know, the um the app's based on Tactical War Games World, right? Which we've been using for so the list builder part of the app, right? Which was my preferred list builder anyway. So you know that part of it is fine. I think there's just you know a bit of, of, of validation of a bit of the rules, you know, making sure that they're all in there, and then it'll be it'll be it'll be fine. So Steve, you did know? you prefer it to Mantic Easy Army? As a oh, hundred percent. It was it was ten times better than Easy Army. Easy Army was very clunky, and you know. You couldn't if you, if you added a formation, you had to start a whole new list. If you wanted to take it off, it was it was there was some silly stuff. There was just legacy bits left in Easy Army. Um, so I, I was happily using Tactical Tactical War Games World anyway. I think um, you know Elliot's working very hard to kind of tidy up the bits that are just kind of uh, validation bits and stuff. And I think there was a bit of a cock up with they released an FAQ. They possibly didn't mean to release an FAQ. Um, but I think that's all being resolved now, isn't it, Elliot? So no um, comment. <laughs> oh look, <laughs> there was an FAQ released today, actually, for Kings of War. There was. I think it wasn't Scorch supposed Wings to be. Are irregular. I think it was supposed to go into the into the into. I, I'll say it because Elliot's not allowed to. I think mm -hmm. the FAQ was supposed to go into the app, and I think there was just a bit of a miscommunication. But it'll be it's just teething problems. It'll be sorted out. The app is and should be the 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 holy grail, the holy bible. With regards to the war, with regards to the rules, right? Um, 
So that so means that, that, should, I, that should be the one true source. Correct. From now on. The authoritative I, version. Yeah. Good. And I think it will be uh, once those communication channels. But it's a new thing, you know. Um, you know, I work for 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 a big company. I think it's even hard. It's even harder in a small company sometimes to get things right because people are so used to doing things in a certain way and on their own. And there's a new thing. Um, so that's that's happening. I think you know the tournament software. I've yet to properly try out. Um, you know, I Ellie and I talk relatively regularly anyway. Um, and I give him honest feedback. Generally, I'm like that. This is wrong, and it should be defense five, Elliot. And he's like, oh, this is now. Um, but you know, I think the tournament software. I, you know, I'm really keen to try out. I just ran a tournament last week, um, and it was exhausting doing manual data entry and playing at the same time because I had to be the ringer. Was I am that desperate. The, the bull run, Birmingham. Yeah, bull? the Birmingham bull run. Yeah, amazing. Um, and I'm, I'm very keen to use software and have people enter their own results. Um, I think we just need to kind of iron out some of the teething problems with you know a software that's not been really used publicly before um and then then we we'll, and then we can crack on but yeah i'm i'm massively supportive of, of the of the mantic companion and its principles i think it should be the de facto list builder tournament software it definitely rules the rules having the rules on hand is brilliant because i can just cut and paste stuff to prove that i'm right <laughs> which is all i really care about so how far can we go and how strong can we talk in terms of is this going to reshape the way Mantic operates? I think it's fairly public by now that um, Ronnie sees the app as uh, the start of moving at least uh, our little corner of the industry that way by having living rule sets um, still in a controlled way, in a periodic way having updates and things but um what it allows us to do is so much greater than being forced to print things is the basics of it and the fact that we can continually improve things so for example the rules as you access them at the moment that's the the least i could do to get it functional there's so much more that I want to add to the rule set um, to make it as user-friendly as possible and as useful to people. Um, you know, and the same applies for all of the tools. And then there's even more tools on top that I think will really help people in the hobby that have maybe been tried and failed elsewhere, but you know, we can give it give it a crack as well. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's something I've mentioned a few times is having, you know, when people build their lists, there should be a link to the Mantic shop where, okay, well, I'd actually like to buy these things now I've built the list. And you've pretty much got that, right? Yep. Clem, what would you like to say about the companion app? Now you've had it for a week. Mm, so far, I like it. It's true that it's uh, it's a bit more convenient to use than uh, Easy Army. Uh, I was a bit uh, annoyed that I had to basically recreate my lists from Easy Army. I don't have hundreds of them in Easy Army, but I have a, a few dozens. And so I had to uh, kind of uh, sort through them and think about which ones do I really want to keep around. Uh, but it's really minor. Um, I haven't done that yet. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not sure how long the Mantic uh, Easy Army stuff will be around because if it stays up and just never gets updated, I'm also fine with it, right? I could just keep 
keep it as an archive for my old lists uh, whenever I want to get back and have a look at it. But uh, just to be sure, I transferred a few of my current lists, let's say. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's quite uh, exciting to have everything under the same, um, in the same app. And from inside of Mentic, I think for me, is also a pretty good sign because it means they take it seriously and they they want to invest some energy in having the rules always up to date in the app and kind of uh, use digital tools um, to stay in touch with gamers. So that part, I think, really is going in the right direction. Um, I've already mentioned my main concern is I want better prints, like better PDF outputs. Uh, but I'm sure that's something that will come out at some point. Now, and, uh, yeah. I would very much like to make fun of Clem now, and every instinct in me is telling me to just pile on and make fun of Clem. But actually, I, to be honest, I really agree. Is one of the things I loved about Mantikeesi Army is that I could take a Kings of War army and very easily print it on two, maybe three pages. And that was really, really easy and hassle-free, and I really like that. So, Elliot, how can I use your app to just print things? just two sides um i think for your individual user i'm going to make sure that there's even more space around all of the elements inside a pdf now i mean i'm a battle scribe uh, <laughs> contributor so i can always uh, get back to it, and update it. so <laughs> he's so bluffing that's battle all right that's all right. garbage for printing clem's bluffing come on that's come not on. true that's not he's true you can you can write uh, xml to change the output and get a much better output if you want to you just have to spend time to do it but obviously i don't want to do it so I'd, I'd yeah have so to do that um, this is one of those classic things where i built it the way i wanted it to function and naively assumed other people would just go oh yes that's perfect how could it possibly be any any different than what how you thought so at the moment it tries not to split where you have multiples of the same unit uh, in a box over two pages. Yeah, which makes sense to me, Elliot. But as well, I also just want to paint it on two sides. I, yeah. I want my yeah. cake and I want to eat it. And so there is there's an option if you go into the list options. I'm doing this live because I can't remember what it actually changes. Um, where you have uh, there's a verbose summary option, and I'm pretty sure oh, could use could use the word verbose. Yeah, so that um, truncates what you can see. So for example, I don't know revenant chariots. You you choose the curse bows options. Um, it just shows the option. It doesn't give you all the blurb around it. There is in that same option thing. I'm working on it right now. Um, several different pdf options so that when you print you can say don't split over two pages uh, for a given unit or only export the um, concise version etc so there will be loads of different options to be perfectly honest if you looked at the development list as it stands now there is over 140 things that are like this that i want to be adding over the next few months Oh, sorry, I didn't realize I was muted as I was wandered through my garden unlocking doors. Uh, <laughs> what are you thinking on with it, Elliot? You're only 140. You've got a couple yeah. of days left before the end of uh, the week, surely. Yep. I'm gonna, I'll am gonna. i get a few more keyboards so that I can do various appendages. 
typing. Steve, why are you wandering through, you know, your garden slash Birmingham? Uh, sorry, I thought it was a mute. Um, because I, um, I only got home, I mean, an hour or something. Oh, we've lost you. Anyway, never mind. I'm mindful of the uh, sound quality. Oh, we love sound quality. How's that? that oh, there it? we go. There we go. Beautiful. The answer is because I've been away and I wanted to put some things onto print and also onto Coast Miniatures while I was talking to you, so I did that. But I've got to put myself back on mute when I went home, uh, back in the house. Beautiful. Let's let's picture the scene. Were you in the garage? Or is this a shed type situation? It was in the garage. I was was in my garage, surrounded by uh, little bits of resin, which I dropped while I was talking to you. And... um, they smashed into several thousand pieces and I swore loudly, but I was on oh, mute no. at that point. So. Oh, there we go. OK, exciting. Steve was doing something very exciting, but he was on mute, so we all missed it. But you know, we can picture the scene. Brilliant. Cool. Um, shall we go straight into some dealing with some uh, listener questions for, about regarding the app? Sure. Sure. So um, Mike Carter asks... Can we get a public update change log in the app so we know when rules have been updated? Yes. Good. Next I question. Like the, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it but was what position on the list of 140 is that specific thing. 138, like number five, where is it? So, Kyle Timberlake. Uh, it is 50, no, 49. 49, not bad. Yeah. yeah. So, Kyle Timberlake asks, a way to easily jump to different armies while list building to do unit comparisons, something like the earlier versions of Easy Army. It's not really a question, but it's a suggestion. So I'm unsure whether he means for the Math Hammer integration in the list builder, or he means just looking at the stats while you're in the list builder. I'm also uh, unsure of that. Could be either. So to the former, um, one of the things we've wanted to add even before the release of the companion was um, the ability to compare units in the math hammer integration. So at the moment, the little flyout comes out when you uh, look at the math hammer pre-done stats for a unit. In that flyout, there will be at some point in the future, a little drop down box or a search box that you type in the unit that you want to compare it with. Um, and it will save that comparison to your current viewing session. So you can sort of build up a list of units that you want to compare across. Um, Just looking up the stats of another unit, I haven't actually thought about, but it seems kind of like a good idea. Um, I suppose the use case is, what is he looking at other armies for when he's trying to build a list in one army? Um, I mean, is he deciding, for example, which army to even build in at that point? He could be. He could be looking for allies, dirty allies. Yeah. Yeah, could be. Yeah. It's the dark arts. I think we can say that for sure. Um, Maybe he should just send, a, send a, an individual query. It's number 152 on the list right now, Kai. <laughs> yeah, let's go with that. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, Carl, um, if we haven't answered your question adequately, uh, kindly let us know on the Facebook group and uh, we'll have another crack at that. Uh, I believe, isn't Kyle uh, the guy who does the tabletop simulator 
mods? Maybe. There's, there's a lot of Kyles. I'm not. I'm not going to lie. It could be one of them. Well, I know it's not God of War, Kyle. Um, Who's God of War, Kyle? <laughs> Preslinski. It's not Preslinski. Oh, God of War. I think great. Okay, fair enough. Oh, yeah. it's not it looks a bit... oh, interesting. It's not Kyle Peach either. It could be anyone. Let's face it. Kyle Paul. No, I'm fairly sure because I, I did the code for the Firefight mod. And I think it's that Kyle. Oh. Okay. So, um, yes. So, is he your next colleague? Like, uh, will there be a Mantic integration or a tabletop simulator or stuff like that? No. Well, there kind of already is for Firefight. So, I took right. the mod for Kings of War. Um, looked at the script underneath that, which sort of limits how you can move units and things, and then I modified and applied it to group models like you would do in a unit for firefight and things, and that's all in a nice mod now. So it's a good way to play. So I would just say, Kyle, if you're listening, any Kyle's listening, you are our favourite Kyle. And if we haven't answered your question properly, we apologise. Let us know in Facebook, and we'll we'll have another crack at it. I don't like any Kyles. Just, no, well, do you like anybody, Steve, though? Well, I liked you until then. <laughs> Excellent. Um, and then Matt Croger, famously from New Zealand. Who? No one's ever the... heard of him. Matt Croger, Can yeah. we skip to the next question? Skip to the next question. He comes from New Zealand. He loves poms. <laughs> Is it going to be a whole episode of Clem talking about PDF outputs and printing? Yeah. Yes, you know. it, it already has been. So yeah. yeah. But for That's the record, the I'm with I'm with Clem on this though. I just want to print my list on two pages. I'm, I'm not. Maybe people should just like I'm so when confused. you get to print, you just do print page one to two and ignore the special rules. What's the issue? Come on, lads. Well, because I want to print the thing that I want to print, Steve. Not just half the thing I want to print. Wait, do you not know the special rules? Crushing strength, it adds one to your damage roll. Come on, move on. What's the... Uh... I mean, I've done a Dead Zone demo two days ago, three days ago, whatever. Uh, and I, I did print the four pages in two sheets of paper just by putting a 50% size and uh, rotated and blah, blah, blah. And it, and it works. Now right, Clem's so. turned against me. Come on. No, I mean... You have to do something with what you have. Sides. It's just a hint that maybe the font is too big. Maybe. Maybe, maybe, no, I mean, maybe need glasses. I don't know. What's the, uh... Move on. <laughs> Next question. So, last question, which we've already addressed from question champion and all round hero, Peter Swift. Is there a time scale for Armada to be added? As soon as my fingers can do it. In the new year. Yeah. Actually, it's a good point. I'm learning uh, Armada at the moment for the express purpose of figuring out things that would be useful to Armada players beyond just a builder. And I've already identified there are far too many tokens for anybody in that game. It's Um, so yeah. It's a massive difference that you actually play these games, though, Elliot. I think we need to say that. That's so reassuring. Because yeah, you just I mean, have a level of understanding you just wouldn't have if you were just a developer that was trying to make it an app for some random game. That's it, and it, it's it's like that thing where if you want to learn something, then 
if you really want to learn something, teach it. It's almost the same thing that if you really want to learn something, code list validation for it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Cool. Um, and then I don't know who wrote this, but it's a great question. Perhaps it was Clem. I did. Yeah, I added. Yeah. I love this, Clem. So any plans to support events that aren't tournaments, like narrative with special plot per game, campaigns, i.e. Dead Zone, etc.? Potentially. One of the things that we've already said uh, will be supported in the future is um, MyMantic. That is going to incorporate clubs, potentially club leagues, and also the ability to not have a tournament-style event but people can still say, I'm coming to this, or, you know, here is my list for this narrative day or whatever it might be. Um, so in briefly, yes, but it's going to be wrapped in other interesting and amazing things. So, Clem, you wrote the question. Is there anything else off the top of your head that you would like to see beyond what Elliot's just mentioned? Well, I'm not too sure. I mean, as you know, we've been playing around with... Um different types of gaming gaming events gaming days and not make them tournaments and uh, to be honest i'm not 100 percent sure what you need support with for these kind of events when when we've done it uh, in october i printed out some paper i guess that could also be uh, displayed in an app i know also some of the campaigns have a very simple scenario tree uh, so it's not like you decide who you play against next, depending on your scoring, uh, but it's maybe based on the narrative stuff, um, or maybe you get displayed special instructions for the game, depending on what scenario you're playing and so on. Yeah, so uh, uh, very... Sorry, sorry, buddy, I, I cut you off there. Sorry, Claire. Go ahead. So, yeah, very briefly, I, I actually think there's a cool idea here. So um, Clem wrote a short little campaign um, so there might be some mileage in this. So there's a little story, so maybe that could be in the app. And then perhaps we could write story for the different factions. And then, you know, well, maybe you've got four players and one player has got Asterians, one's got GCPS, one's got Plague, whatever you've got. Maybe you could just select in the app how many players, these are the armies we've got. So then the app just focuses on those four and doesn't worry what the backstory was for the forge fathers or whatever for if it wasn't selected yeah maybe there's something cool there yeah i mean the other um thing i would think about is uh what was the name of the campaign we had last spring the magnetar campaign mm -hmm. uh obviously that's something that i kind of want to see from within the companion app and not an external website on an external platform um that makes so, yeah, sense in a way it's it's a uh, it's another kind of uh, engagement with the games through digital tools. And uh, I hope the companion at some point, once the to-do list uh, is uh, resorbed, uh, will, will go and tackle. Because I think there's a lot of uh, cool stuff to do in that department. Yeah. yeah Sorry, guys. <laughs> no, it's even earlier than that because... Uh, it will be, we've already said we, we're going to run the campaign through the companion now for all the data collection. There'll be specific web pages for them. So, yeah, it, it's, it is something that is coming. And Ellie, nice. Any, any infos for the next campaign? I don't know what it's going to be, but I know it will be in the companion. In true Ronnie style, 
just give us 20 or 30 things you're not supposed to tell us. Uh, I like filling bags with puppies and throwing them out with high windows. I'm that one? That that, that's, one. <laughs> that's, that's enough. That's, you've skillfully ended that conversation there. Well played, sir. Well played. Cool. Um, I'm enjoying the app. I'm sure Elliot doesn't set the prices. Um, the price to me still sounds pretty reasonable if you work out what it costs per month. Anything else to add, guys, on either the price so or anything this is, else? This, this is a thing, right? So everyone's like, this is an outrage, blah, 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 you make me pay so much money. But I, the way I think about it is um, we pay, what, £25 every year for a Clash of Kings book update, right? And we were paying £30 a year for Easy Army. So this app is already cheaper than that. It, the, I think the issue is it's come so soon after we've paid however many pounds for the red book. And that's what But actually, if you think about it, this is less money than you would have been paying normally. And you're getting everything and a living rule book in it and your list builder. I just think maybe, you know, take stock of that a little bit. Maybe you didn't buy the book. Maybe you stole them. Well, in which case you're a criminal and I have no respect for you. And also the all in subscription is only going to get more valuable over time. In fact, all of them are going to get more valuable over time as things are added. Um, no one game is going to just be left with as it is now. Features are just going to be added and added and added. So yeah, it will get more. You'll get more like, bang for your buck as we go on. Like STLs, right? Are they going to add STLs to it? Silence. <laughs> <laughs> so are we are we saying now we're no longer buying a clash of kings book i might buy one anyway i quite like the book but, uh. yeah i quite like to have even if i know it's out of date by the time i get it you know I still like to have a paper book yeah Ooh. um it what it allows us to do as well though is say we have if we want to do a supplement for any given game one of the things i think is a pretty cool is the ability to have a central place where uh, beta rules might be so that the whole community can be involved with how things in the rule set evolves and uh, in that sense it, it bypasses the need for a book like clash of kings or it provides Clash of Kings, the book does in the physical book. It can be its own unique thing. It can contain other stuff that doesn't necessarily just have to be pure rules and stats that you would find in the app. So if this if this came out probably two years ago, would we have maybe found the Firefight beta rules in the app? Yeah, exactly that. Um for future games, there may be something similar to that where everybody has access, but it's also more structured then because then we'll have specific forms for specific things that we want people to give feedback on. Um, the yeah, ability for that. versioning and seeing how something evolves over time. That sounds really good, doesn't it? Sounds really powerful. Yeah. So I'm hoping to see a Mantic spaceship combat game in the app shortly to be honest that'd be great wouldn't it i'm enjoying armada so much that i for one i'm lobbying for an romantic spaceship game 
that sounds really cool looking forward to getting my Asterian ships with loads of shields <laughs> cool um that's so that all sounds great guys any what have we not mentioned regarding the I, app i mean the last uh, last question that i had is uh can you remind us what people should do when they find an issue of uh, feature suggestions for the app like is there yeah. a place to contact you or there are several i try to keep across all social media uh, on the hunt for those things anyway uh, the best way is actually use the contact form on the companion itself um, that will find its way directly to me and it also let, lets me file it nicely yeah that's um, the main, but, main thing right yeah yeah exactly if it's something like a stat um error then even just a dm is fine um suggestions and feature requests things like that um i'm always on the hunt for those because i'm pretty sure i haven't thought of everything and i have i am not above stealing all the good ideas that's the trick and then i think probably last question how sad is greg i think he's okay i don't know i've not spoken to him have you have i think relieved probably yeah. Although, I mean, I would thank him for Easy Army existing at all, because that's another thing that got me into uh, Mantic Games. Obviously, I used that when I was building my first armies. It was the impetus for me to make the decision to try and build my own. Hi, I'm the guy that uh, like, has replaced you. Uh, thanks for your hard work, kind regards. But the talented I find, Mr. Ripley, yeah. And, I found uh, it was always uh, an enduring mystery, the, the, the identity of Greg. He's just been a, a kind of a shadowy figure. He's like Mac War, except we know who Mac War is. Um, you know, loitering around the fringes of Kings of War society. Yeah, the Kaiser Soze, that's exactly right. It, exactly is Greg in the UK? Is he in the US? Do we know? American, no, I, I think. Is he? Let's ah. Or is he? Or is he? I Excellent. think it's. Uh, I've no idea who it is. Like, I wish Greg well. Maybe he, maybe he's really called Kyle. Who knows? <laughs> he probably is called Kyle. Everyone seems to be. I'm going to change my name to Kyle. Seems like a cool name. I, I think it's big... about time you did change your name, though, Steve. To be honest, you're getting a lot of heat nowadays, you know. <laughs> Assuming that Steve's my real name, I'm just saying. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. Putting that out there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's suspicious enough that you say you live in Birmingham. I mean, you know, it's going to raise questions, Steve. You know. No one would lie about that shit. I mean, God, why on earth would you live in this god awful town? My number one worry, I think, would be I'd I'd be terrified that my kids would get Brummy accents. <laughs> well, I've, I've raised three children here, and none of them have, have, have got a Brummy accent. They've all got quite normal kind of posh BBC announcer-type accents. They all sound like Elliot. But he's from Telford, so imagine that. No, but, 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 whoa. Back up. <laughs> Not from Telford. Definitely. I'm a Staffordshire boy, me. Staffordshire. You're black country. Good God. Not even, no, not black country. No, not black country. I never quite nailed down. Where are the yam yams from? Is that black country? Is that Staffordshire? Well, it's in Staffordshire, yeah, Canuck. Yeah, I'm all right. You're right, then. You're right there, Bob. I'm 
dreading to ask, what's a yam yam? <laughs> yam yam. Oh, yam yam boy, dear. We call them the yam yams. They have a very yam yam type accent. See, this yeah. is going in the pod. What's what? They replace the word you with yam. So, yam. are you all right? Yam all right. Yam all right then. Oh, I see. Okay, interesting. What yam on for dinner? <laughs> there's one when I used to work in the hospital. There used to be uh, there's one lady who says, "What you got nice free lunch? What you got nice? What you got nice today?" <laughs> what you got nice is not a sentence. And I'd be like, "I've got I've got a ham sandwich like normal, thank you very much." Boring, whatever you're called, Deirdre. Can't remember name. Anyway, and that's like the cultural segment. The least amount of accent. Uh, I, I hope you like didn't that. tell her that and then give her bad medical news. That's all I hope, Steve. To be clear, she worked in the hospital. She wasn't like a patient. I wasn't like every day there was the same patient there asking about my lunch. It was, uh, you know, a secretarial member of staff. Fair enough. Right. And that concludes our conversation on the app, I suppose. Fantastic. And um, Steve, would you like to tell us something? What? What? <laughs> I can tell you that I'm working with Milliput, which is something I said I would never do again because I oh, hate Milliput. I hate Milliput with, with a fierce passion. I'm um, I'm crafting a saddle for a giant lizard monster that, because nice. um, I printed them in four pieces and then I tried to green stuff the four pieces together and what I have is four is three very obvious joins. So then um, last night when I was staying in a Premier Inn in Camberley. I came up with the idea of using uh, the milliput that I had lying around because I don't use it because I hate it to craft like the saddle to cover up the big joint, which is what I am now doing. So uh, milliput so hate got, it. So as you're staying in the Premier Inn, so you've got have you got your work stuff and then you've got an extra bag of hobby stuff to take around with you? Is that what's? No, that was just in my head. I'm back home now. I was uh, just right, mentally right, right, I was, right. I mentally hobbying. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm too lazy to mix milliput properly, which is not a good sign for a hobbyist. To be That's it's very speckledy, this milliput I have mixed. He's about four years old. That's probably why. Okay. Yeah. I think Chris Walsh, when he does, because Chris Walsh, when he does his incredibly beautiful sculpting, have you seen Chris Walsh's sculpting? I don't know who Chris, Chris Walsh is. Yes. Oh, yes, wow. Seen, Maybe Kyle Walsh. You no. must have seen his stuff. He's like the most talented hobbyist in Kings of Oil. He's extraordinary. He's the guy that crafted those giant castles of Bristol Dwarves and all the weird fish people. Okay, okay. Go to, um, have you got Instagram, Chris? No. You haven't got Instagram? What is no. wrong with your life? Okay, okay, okay. I'm going to, all right, I'm going to send you I think I technically stuff. do have an Instagram account where I call myself Painty McPaintyface, but I don't go on it. Uh, I, I quit was, Twitter when Elon Musk, you know, was rumoured to be buying Twitter. That was enough to Twitter. push me off it. It's not Twitter, yeah. it's something very different. Well, the only reason I'm still on Facebook is that it has all the nerdy groups like Kings of War and such. Oh, that's the same. I, I got rid of everyone that wasn't involved with the hobby because it was just too embarrassing after a while. Um, let me find him on. I'm going to find him on Instagram while we're talking. Talk amongst yourselves. Uh, I'm just looking at his stuff on uh, Facebook now. So it's perpetual underscore painter on Instagram. You will see his quite extraordinary hobby work. But what's in there is all the progress shots show that he is clearly using a mixture of milliput and green stuff. And I do not know how he manages to work with milliput because it is the worst hobby material 
It just goes like it's all over my fingers, even as we're speaking. That's not a phrase I uh, use very often. <laughs> I hate Medifot. I've been trying to persuade him. I've been trying to persuade him two things. One, to come to my house and play games with me, which he won't do. He keeps making excuses. And the other is to do a, like a hobby demo at Clash of Kings. I think it would be so popular to get a Chris Walsh sculpting workshop. Um, it would be absolutely sold out, but um, he won't do it. So Why not? Uh, so I'm just looking at this stuff now. It looks absolutely incredible. Yeah. He's quite self-deprecating, really. He doesn't quite believe that he's quite as incredible, despite the fact that he just has to turn up and he wins the painting award. Um, I think he doesn't quite believe he's as amazing as he is, um, which is a real shame. He's a bit like you, Chris. He's very self-deprecating, you see. Um, That's only because but... I hate myself. <laughs> but don't hate yourself. Uh, anyway, we've got, we've got a bit real here. Um so he's, he's, I think he's quite self-deprecating, but he is quite extraordinary. Um, and his ability at sculpting is just like nothing you've ever seen. And so I, I would just love to have half an iota of his talent. Um, as it is, I'm struggling to craft a saddle out of this awful middle part. Yeah, this is so interesting because to get to a decent level of hobby where, you know, things look nice, it's not, it doesn't really actually require any talent, right? It's just a learned skill. Um, whereas you see someone like this, and I'm just on Instagram, which obviously makes for a wonderful podcast, and then you see what someone with actual talent can achieve, and it's just night and day, isn't it, to be quite honest? It's just... Well, you've just opened... I think that's a, that's a, that's a, a subject for a future podcast. That can be your main topic for a future podcast. Is painting miniatures, does it, does it require talent, or is a learned skill sufficient? To a point, I think, is the answer to that. Um, so... Oh, no, this is heartbreaking. Um, he's got a Reaper Bones mini here that I'm using. It's like a Minotaur thing. I <laughs> use it for my Northern Alliance cavern dweller um, because Mantic didn't make a model for it at the time. And I have they have got one now, but I don't like it. Um, and this just... I'm quite happy with my cavern dweller model, but this is just a thousand times better. Uh, you were happy, and now you're going to throw it in Exactly. Bin. Now it's just it's garbage. What garbage. am I doing with my life? What's the point? I, um, My goodness, I, I, he is a talented chap. I played him. So I went to his local club, um, which is called Board in Brum, even though it's not in Brum, it's in Dudley. And um, this is irrelevant to anyone who doesn't know anything about England. So anyway, I went to visit him, his local club, and we played a game. And it was a bit like going out for, um, if you go out for, um, like, you're hanging out with a very, very attractive friend, and people are constantly coming up and hitting on them. Right. right, it was right. a bit like that, except everyone was coming over and kind of cooing over his army, and it was really they would come over and go, "Oh my god, that's really incredible," and have a long conversation, and then kind of glance at my army, which at mm. the time was like my best painted army, and they'd go, mm-hmm. and they'd walk off, yeah, avoid, <laughs> avoid, avoid eye contact with you, <laughs> right. keep reaching for the stars, kid. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yes. I, like I, that I get that. That's a good analogy. Uh, good. Anyway, oh, you, want, you want to ask me to talk about my scoring system? Is that what we're going to talk about? Yeah, but not with dating, though, just to be clear. Yeah. With dating, the scoring system is much like dating. It's, uh, I finished my title now. It doesn't so, look bad. So, Steve. <laughs> There's no right. winners and no losers. <clears throat> so, question number one, Steve. How dare you? <laughs> How dare I create a scoring system? So, well, moving on to the scoring system. Uh, yeah, so, Steve, why do we need another scoring system? Well, um, so... This isn't my fault. This is quite clearly the fault of um, Mark Cunningham, to be clear. And um, if you don't know, Mark Cunningham um, created the site Shroud of the Reaper, 
um, along with a very nice guy called Grant. They run um, some tournaments in the south of England, right? So um, Mark's main facet is that he's insane. Um, that's that's his uh, his his defining personality trait. He is quite nuts, and he quite happily admits it. Um, and what he gets is quite grand ideas, and then he just goes for it. Like he properly goes for it. Um, and um, oh wow! While we're talking, I've looked in this cupboard. That's uh, that's extraordinary. I've got some miniatures in the cupboard next to me that my friend printed for me, and they've melted onto the cupboard. How anyway, long have they been in there for? Quite a while. It's been quite warm, I guess. But it's actually it's melting. Then come look at this. My wife brought to him. Say hi, Christine. Hi, Christine. Look, the um, this miniature's melted. Yeah. You noticed that? You didn't think to mention it. Was it... <laughs> Oh, Steve, oh. don't blame Christine. I've been told off because uh, my son's trying to sleep and I'm chatting loudly on a podcast. Um, your cupboards? I don't know. I think it might have just been... I think um, I didn't print these. My friend printed them and he printed them as hollow resin and he didn't know to put plugs in them. So I think they're filled with uncured resin, which means I just stuck my finger into uncured resin. Um, Do you need to go and wash your hands? I think I might do. I think um, that's a good idea. I think you should wash yeah. your hands, Steve. Yeah, that's... Yeah. Um, anyway. Please wash your hands. You've given the printer to me, by the way, which is why everything's fine now. But um, I'm washing my hands as we speak. What's um, all So, So Mark, um, he has ideas, and then he carries them through to fruition. And so he really pushes it. He's a guy, he came up with like a seven giant army. He's absolutely insane. Um, his tournaments are really fun. They have crazy... Um, terrain everywhere and anyway so he had a, a scoring system which i kind of liked um and it was a system whereby each round was only worth seven points um but it turns out behind that they had a win-loss draw system on top of that and the the seven points was used as a decider and i kind of i was going through that tournament i was quite enjoying the fact that i felt like despite the fact i wasn't doing very well as normal like i had a chance because the points level were low and i kind of felt that it was actually rewarding me for how well i was doing in this scenario and then I found out they had this weird win-loss draw thing on top of it. And I kind of took, we, we, I started to chat to Mark and I said, well, like, wouldn't it be cool if the tournament score was like just based on how well you did? And we chatted it through. And then there was a podcast with the, it was a camp chat podcast with the new US master. Uh, what's his name? Adam Ballard? Adam Ballard, uh, yeah. Adam Ballard. Yep. And Adam was talking about how, you know, um, I think it was uh, the, one of the questions was, is there anything you'd change about Kings of War? And one of the things he said was, I'd like a, a scoring system that rewarded how well you've done, but I'm not sure how we could do that. And it's not really needed, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, well, I think I've come, I, I think I've got that scoring system in my head. So me and Mark kind of chatted down. And he, as he does, he put it onto his, his, his site, Shroud of the Reaper, which is a great kind of repository of Kings of War information. Um, and then uh, I thought I'd just give it a go. My tournament, it seemed to work really well. So the principle is that you, you know, because to my mind, warfare, if you like, in terms of a, a, a you know gameplay warfare, um, is kind of like, particularly a tournament, you think of it like a war. So each one is a battle in the war that you're fighting. Um, but we are just over-rewarding victory, not how well you won. So every time you win a game, you lose a game rather, and it's been incredibly close. You're like, you're like, one... Uh, like scenario point away or one loot counter away or you've just not killed quite enough people and you lose and you look at your score and you've suddenly got like a 24-7 score or something like that and you're like that doesn't 
doesn't feel very reflective of the game that we've just had. It was decided on a single dice roll on turn seven. You know, I've done pretty well considering I've got like four objectives. How have I how have I won this little? And so I thought it might be fun to have a scoring system that reflected how well you've done. Um, full stop. So that if at the end of the game you've won two games and maybe lost one, but you won them by a smashingly high victory and someone else has won three games, but they won them very, very narrowly or they didn't, you know, not very convincingly, then actually you've done better in terms of the war, right? Because you've got overall more of the objectives of the war and actually you're barreling off to your castle with a lot more stuff, despite the fact that you've nominally quite unquote, lost one battle. And I think Mike Carter kind of used a really good metaphor, which is Rogue One, where, you know, they lost everything, but they won in the end. And I kind of like that because it kind of reflects. And so the scoring system is that, basically. So there's no win-loss draw. It's just um, you use a specially um, modified set of scenarios that they have a, a maximum seven points for each one. And then there's a three-point kill differential on top of that. So, yeah, I think it's just it's a nice little scoring system. It went very well. People liked it. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to try out a bit more. It's called... It it doesn't sound terribly complicated to work out who gets what either. Right, that's that's the other benefit, which is that I find you know I did my last my first tournament I ran I used uh, blackjack, which I like blackjack. I think blackjack's fine. Um, but the scoring sheets for it, each one is like a little A5 page. They're very complicated. You have to put a lot of numbers in and do a lot of maths, um, or, or math for our American friends. And I think um, unless Elliot's going to help us out. Soon. Yeah, yeah, well, you can, of course, do it automatically through the Mantic Companion once the uh, tournament bit's fixed. But um, I, 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 I like the idea of that. And this is kind of a similar principle to Blackjack because it kind of reflects how well you've done, although Blackjack still has a win-loss draw. But it's just easier. I mean, you just, you know, ha- like, OK, I've got four objectives. Right, I've scored four and I've killed this much and that's an extra two. I've got six. End of scoring. And that's it. There's no adding minus plus minus this, you know, attrition, you know, kill victory points. And I've won. And so I had seven to 40, none of that. It's very, very, very simple. Very simple. Yeah, that's it. What's the terrible downside that people will pick, you know, people think on the internet the, will pick it to pieces with? <laughs> people on the internet be very kind. But in general, the main downside is that the person, you know, you're using this for, for tournaments and the person who wins the tournament might not have won the most games. So if you are, uh, well, a person won the most, therefore they should have won, then this is not this is not for you, I no, would say. You could still say that, yes, but that's reflective of the games. Right, and that's, that's kind of the principle. So, you know, the guy that did win my tournament, as it happens, won all three games. Um, but the person who came third won all three games. The person who came second didn't. Right, so there is... You know, there is some variation. The person who came second, I think, got a he got a 10, which is the maximum score. He got 10, a 10, and a 4, I think. So overall, he scored higher than the person who was third. They got less than that, who got, I think, a 6-5 six, six, or something like that in his victory. How did the person that came third take it then? Uh, oh, I don't think he minded. Um, who was it? I can't remember now. No one, no one seemed to mind. No one complained, certainly. Um, maybe it's because I'm terrifying. That's possible. Yeah, that'll definitely be it. Yeah, very intimidating. But I, yeah, I mean, I could. That's fair. I mean, I could imagine someone saying, "But I've won. But I won all my games." Um, 
exactly. you won them in and such a way that was in very competitive environments, particularly like in, in America at Masters. I mean, if they used it for Masters, they never would. Um, I could imagine that, you know, if they have done five or six games at the end of it, the person's got, I've won all six games. Why haven't I won Masters? Well, because this guy scored more than you. This is an outrage. So I could imagine in a really competitive environment, that might not be the case. But it's not really designed for that. It's designed Sounds for small... <laughs> it's designed for small tournaments. Um so- yeah, yeah. It, but it sounds to me it sounds great to be honest. It's lovely and simple, and I think it should reflect what happened, you know. Um, it's lovely, so I've lovely and simple like myself. Just as as we've been chatting, exactly, yeah, simple, a simple creature. Um, so mm. Steve, just as we were chatting there, I've devised what I'm calling the snowflake scoring system. So every game there's ten points, and at the end of the game, you and your opponent just have to agree who gets how many points. <laughs> So you say, well, I won, you know, I'm going to get six and you get four. And you go, yeah, that sounds about right. So that's because you're a bulky guy, Chris. That's the physical violence system. No, it's, it's not, no, no, it's not like prison rules. It's, it's you know, I call it the snowflake system. It's, it's like, you uh-huh. know, it's the anarchistic, okay, we sit down, we've only got limited resources and we have to assign them between the two of us in a fair way that reflects the game. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's not. It's uh-huh. not. It's not to quite. It's not to threaten the other player into winning. It's just you know I'm taking all ten points. It's like well you know you tabled me so you can have nine. I you know killed that clarion over there so maybe I can get one. You know. Yeah. Anyone going for this? Tournament um, by feeling. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I'm just going to walk in and go, do you know what, guys? I feel like I'm going to win this. And everyone goes, oh, fair enough. Then here's the points. And everyone just goes home. How's that? And that's taking Depends it on the a good. further. I've got this, guys. Don't worry. I've got this. I'm going to win all my games. Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Um, yeah, Steve, I, to be honest, I really want to just make fun of you. But uh, I do like what you're suggesting here. <laughs> Thanks, man. So it's frustrating for me, to be honest. I also managed to lose the Skype app on on my phone, which I'm talking on. So I now can't mute myself. So I'm trying not to make noises in the background. Oh, Steve. Phone open. Bloody phones. Hang on, I'll be back in a minute. (laughs) Nice. Clem, what do you think about scoring systems? Just in general. (sighs) Not much. Um... I'm not really the kind of person to um, study them too much and try to figure out what I need to do to win. Uh, I think I realized after game two, when we went together to Clash of Kings, that the scoring system was uh, different than what I was expecting. Me too, buddy, me too. And I was like, oh, that's why my opponents have been playing in a weird way. They actually were playing to win. That's an interesting strategy. Like, you know, try to understand what actually gives you points and how do you actually get uh, ahead of your opponents and ahead of the rest of the pack but uh, yeah i mean that's about how much i care about um about this in general um i do agree though that um it's a bit frustrating when you get a 5 to 15 win ratio and it's uh like what decides a win or a loss is is there a turn seven right so many games I think uh, I've played it ends up being, is there a turn seven? If yes, I win. If not, you win. 
and uh yeah in, in that kind of scenario I, it I is amazing how often that is the case though isn't it that is extraordinary but i still i because i'm always by that point i'm always quite sweaty and very excited and invested in what's happening so um oh there we go steve's briefly turned on video excellent hello i turned it back off again no one's to see it up my nose do you want to see my um, my melted figures? I can show you those. I mean, it's gonna be great podcast content. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> hang on, that's my face. No, hang on. Oh, so Chris, now you have to live comment what you see on screen. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, there here we go. go. So I'm looking at some figures. Oh, they've been painted. <laughs> well, they, they figures? The, no, they were they were um, thunderses. You can see the paint has melted off this figure. Oh, yeah. I mean. And this one, it physically leaked out the bottom. It's cracked and leaked. I've, I've mopped it up now, but it physically leaked out all over the bottom of this cabinet. Oh, Ooh. I see. Yeah, so um, I love the I love the painting style, Steve. I love the color schemes. So it's lovely red that? skin, blue armor. <laughs> oh, I like that. I like that. Isn't that isn't oh, it's a lovely, it's a lovely, lovely case as well. Oh, they look lovely. This is going to make an excellent podcast. Very nice yeah. models. I've, I think I've seen these on the channel. Have I not? Yeah, these these were my thunder seeds before I got mm. them. That's Very why nice. they've been sitting in the cabinet. So my painting desk. Look, here's my. Uh, oh, those. there you go. So I, what you're saying, Steve, is that non-mantic models melt, right? Yeah. You see, yeah. mantic thunder seeds would never have melted. Let me they tell you. Never would have. No, I think you're absolutely right. Oh, it does. It looks nice. Yeah. Turn the camera off, man. Yeah, lovely, lovely little painting area. Where's, where is that, Steve? Is that a hobby room or is that, you know, the spare room? Where's that? This is in my office, which is currently full of stuff because we're in the middle of redecorating. But, Ooh, uh, very nice. You told me it'd only be half an hour, so I thought it'd be fine. But uh, we've been talking for an hour and a half already. So, so. That's how that That's how that happens. Yeah, mm, yeah. yeah. Three-hour podcast and that. It's a bit long, isn't it? It's really long. It's a bit long, it's a bit long Steve. Yeah, it's a bit long. Yeah. Fair enough. Cool. Um, super. I think that's all we had on the on the docket for today. Um, yeah. Has any, well, the, anyone got anything else they want to talk about? A very quick thing. I just wanted to mention when I was looking at your scoring system, found the, um, the list of balance scenarios. And I think you've um, also republished some scenarios that were used in a previous Clash of King edition. Or was it for yeah. the edition? Oh, it's not me. This um, is Mark Cunningham. He's a genius. Right. Yes, Really, really cool scenarios. I mean, I think, um, yeah, I, I enjoy having a few more options to play Kings of War. Um, some mm. of them are pretty cool. And so I would uh, advise people to go check it out. And I support creating more scenarios. That's uh, all I wanted to say. Out of the Reaper. Check it out. Super. And check out the Mantic Companion app. Oh. Please do. My job depends on it. <laughs> yeah. oh, I know what I was going to ask are you going to allow me to upload tournament players lists myself yes yay is that number 153 on the list no that's fairly fairly at the top actually it was uh, it was taken out of tactical war games world as it uh, was converted into the Mantic Companion um, um, not really sure why Um that was a decision that I'd made. Again, it's one of those. Well, of course, everybody's going to use the Mantic Companion. So it was mostly. I'll tell you what it was. It was around the fact that um, we wanted people to be able to uh, submit their scores per round in the tournament, 
uh, themselves through the app. And the only real way to do that is by having an account. Otherwise, it has to go back to the TO. I think most people will, but there's the odd player that's technologically incompetent or yes. doesn't have a mobile, you know, that's capable of data or, you know, gaming says it doesn't have internet, blah, 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 blah. So there are situations, right? That's why. So, yeah. And this is exactly why getting it into the hands of people who will tell me that is vitally important. Also, for testing purposes, it's quite useful. Although, yeah. uh, probably well, there is a simulate button now. You'll be pleased to know. Simulate what? Simulate interest. Simulate, Simulate round scores. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. And Elliot, who are you directly reporting to at Mantic? Me. Uh, I guess Matt and Ronnie, uh, my uh, uppers. Oh, your line manager. Mm. Uh, yeah, I don't actually know. <laughs> it's one of them. There's only like 20 people in the company. I mean, you know. They mostly just bundle me into a cupboard and tell me to code. So good, excellent. Um, yeah, Elliot, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We really appreciate it. No worries. And uh, Steve, thank you for explaining your slash Mark Cunningham's rule system. All right. That was great. That was great. Thanks for telling us about the melted resin models. Yeah. Quite, quite the scandal. I know. This is the only podcast with the balls to do all the games. Hello, dear listener, Chris here. So just to explain, I've recorded on my own just two little interviews, one with Peter Swift, who is friend of the pod, and one with my friend Manuel, who joined us for the gaming weekend recently. I hope you enjoy them. This is the only podcast with the balls to do all the games. Good I am, uh, I'm not good at remembering things. Oh, very good. Okay. So, Peter, we are recording. So, this is the bit where we completely forget what we're talking about. Uh, nerves. Uh. <laughs> exactly. Uh. No, it's, I think it's only really the last couple of podcasts where I really don't feel self conscious the whole time that we're recording it. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's taken a fair while to get there. Cool. So, Peter, you are community champion, question asker extraordinaire, friend of the pod. And um, maybe you can just talk a little bit about how you got interested in Mantic Games, where you found the pod. That yeah, probably sure. is a good place to start, right? Yeah. So I'm of a similar age to yourself, Chris. Um, we are both in the same decade, shall we say. Um, I, as same sort of pathway as you, I guess, but a little bit later, I played as a teenager. I played uh, Games Workshop did a um played a bit of uh a game they called man of war at the time um, which was i had a few ships for it i think i think i have some elves i had some elf ships for it which was yeah, like a murder right but GW. it was very similar in terms of aesthetics but i'm not sure the rules were how similar the rules were because it was 25 years ago it was a long time and i can't really remember it that clearly uh, i do remember that i had an imperial fleet but that's um, that's about as far as it goes, but I do have fond memories of playing that game with my friends, with my dad, um, for a year or so. Um, moved on to Necromunda. I always played the games with the small model count because I was 14, 15 years old and had no money. You know, I was yeah. getting, you know, not even 20 quid a week washing pots on the weekend. So 
uh, I had to buy things that were cheap. Um, I did try and play a bit of Warhammer 40k. Uh, I had an Eldar army, a very small Eldar force. Again, because Eldar were expensive and therefore you didn't have to have many models to make up your force. So it was all driven by finance. Um, Hit sort of 16, found other interests, you know, the usual GCSEs were coming up. Um, looked Finally looked old enough that I could get away with being served in the pub, etc., etc., and just drifted away from gaming for a bit. And then lockdown hit a couple of years back. Um, I was looking for ways to entertain myself in the evening, and me and my family uh, decided to give D&D a crack. Through the through the means of the internet and uh, websites and and Skype or uh, Zoom or whatever it was we used at the time, and then when lockdown ended, we got to play in person and people brought miniatures and I thought I used to love having these. I used to love playing these games. Um, so maybe six months ago, sort of seriously started thinking about getting back into tabletop gaming uh, and just threw myself in. Um, and because of my memories of Man of War, and because I then found out that Mantic were now doing Armada, that was the entry point for me. Um, where I am currently, there's a really good scene. There's a there's a there's a shop in the the nearest town to me. It's only a small market town, but it has a a good community and a good gaming shop. Uh, they stock Armada. They stock all the Mantic stuff, really. Um, and this and, is sorry, Peter. This is Claw Shots, right? Uh, clan shots. Clan, clan shots, shots, that's it. Yes, that's right. Um, haven't been going on. They themselves only started, I think, in 2019. So they were going less than a year before COVID hit, lockdown hit. Um, but they've been very adaptable and they they survived the lockdown. They were delivering games to people on their bikes and, and things like that and found ways around it. And they've gone from strength to strength, I believe. Um, really friendly, really friendly local gaming shop. Everybody's very welcome in. They've got all sorts of different scenes. They've got your usual, you know, 40k Age of Sigma players, but they also do uh, magic a couple of nights a week. And uh, there's Blood Bowl League. Um, but then there's um, a local Pathfinder as well, uh, Craig McCartney. He is really enthusiastic and really driven, and he's really driving the scene for Mantic in the area. Um, so he's been arranging lots of, he's done a Kings of War tournament, he's done a Dead Zone tournament last weekend, which was my first ever tournament, which was brilliant. Uh, has arranged another Dead Zone tournament for February, which is, is going to be fantastic. Um, so yeah, um, so after after a big gap, I was feeling quite nervous about getting back into it. You know, it's a bit of a, um, a leap, because obviously you've got to You've got to invest to start with. You've got to get all your paints and your brushes and your starter sets if you need starter sets, that sort of thing. Um, but they've made it really easy for me to get back into it. I, I spoke to Kian, who works at Clan Shots, explained to him about Armada and how I used to play Necromunda. And he said, well, actually, Necromunda is still around, but Mantic do this game called Dead Zone that you'd probably like if you like that. Um, and so he went from there, really bought the starter set, got, in, got into that and throw myself in uh, face first. Amazing. And, and I think it's that about you that really sort of speaks to the podcast about just our sort of 
boundless enthusiasm for just jumping into things. And have they got semantic stock in the shop? Yeah, the stock, the stock Kings of War, the stock Dead Zone, um, a little bit of firefight, although the the firefight scene is still in its infancy, shall we say? Um, but yeah, they've got they've got a whole shelf devoted just to Mantic, um, and a lot of a lot of people locally that seem to be quite into it. I'm quite lucky, really. Um, one of the people that played in the Dead Zone tournament last weekend, he'd actually travelled up from Oxfordshire, which is it would have been a three and a half hour drive for him. But he was actually luckily visiting family in Yorkshire that weekend, and it just happened to coincide, so he could take part in the tournament. But he was saying where he lives is quite a rural area, and there's literally him and one other person that he can regularly play Dead Zone with. Yeah. And it gets a bit difficult when you're playing just the same person every time. It gets a little bit turgid and stale. And yeah. After you've played about four times, particularly if they're not changing the list. Yeah. It's still fun, but. It's way more exciting. You, you get more of what the game actually has to offer if you've got different people playing different lists. And you, you, I think your enthusiasm kind of builds on each other's if you've got yeah. other people to share the hobby with. Yeah, um, definitely. definitely and in helps. terms of your GC, because I think you're playing GCPS, right, in Dead Zone? Uh, yeah, badly, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> did you start with just the two-player starter box? What did you do? Uh, yes, I bought the Dead Zone starter box and I've got... I've, started building my vmin but i I wanted to go into the gcps because i'm taking part in blackjack legacy's firefight slow grow um and i thought that'd be a a fairly easy force to paint it is quite high miniature count but they're fairly simple miniatures to paint so right yeah Um, there's that trade-off isn't there and in terms of the style did you go for the classic greens painting style no 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 mine are very much blue um to me, the GCAPS and the Mantic universe very much strike a chord with uh, Star Trek, uh, Starship Troopers and Avatar and that sort of setting. And for some reason, it's a long time since I've watched Starship Troopers, but I had a memory in my head of them being in like a bluish armor uniform. It's not, it's grey. I've looked back since, but in my head I remembered it as blue. And because of that, I thought, well, actually, I think that would look pretty cool on the models. And uh, uh, I think I yeah. know why. So I actually saw the film about a month ago. Right. I love that film. Um, I think I know w- why you think it was blue. I think the the promotional poster of the time had yes. uh, the the image had it was kind of color shaded or whatever, and it yeah. looked like the armor was blue. I think that's yeah. why. But it was so. It was that that theme that sort of struck a chord with me. The, the plague and then and the nameless and those sort of things like being the bug monsters or and then the gcps being this very corporate um capitalist force that was just you know fighting for the, the troops on the ground think they're fighting for the right reason but they're maybe not fighting for the right reason really it's the it's the shadowy corporations above that are deciding things so i really like that shades of gray aspect about them and actually, Starship Troopers, it was, I mean, basically the society was fascist, effectively, wasn't it? Mm, it was a mm. very, very dark take on kind of the American dream, wasn't it? So I yeah. suppose in lots of ways it's quite, you know, it was it was very right wing. Because yeah. I think they're in Buenos Aires, which is obviously could be any American city. Yeah. You know, basically, it's California from the 1980s, isn't it? This sort of yeah. very idyllic. Um, 
but I think all the characters have got kind of Spanish names like Torres and things like that. And yes. I think it's a very much anglicized sort of idealized version of it. It's very, uh, yeah, really interesting. Cool. Yeah. And then Avatar, a similar thing. They're obviously, they've gone to this planet of Pandora and they're basically ripping it for its resources because it's all about the money and it's all about getting everything they can out of the planet. Same sort of thing. It's, it really strikes a theme with what the, the Mantic background for GCPS is. In my view, anyway. Nice. And then when it came to list building, was it just basically buy a big box of models and see what you've got kind of thing? To a degree. Um, and also um, what looked cool. So, yeah, I've got a monocycle in my list just because I think the monocycle is a really cool model. It's a really um, cool model. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think I utilised it very well in any of the games I've played with it, but it's a cool model. So. It's the same yeah. with my Broca Valkyries. I've no idea how to use them. They're like the the dwarfs on bikes. Yes. No idea how to use them. They just look cool. Yeah. yeah I've exactly. never once used them properly. However, you're supposed to use them. It always goes terribly. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. That's that's always super important to me, to be honest. And so, you mentioned already. Obviously, you've been, you've already been to your first uh, Dead Zone tournament. Yeah. Uh, uh, Day of the Dead Zone. It was very much a Halloween themed tournament. Had some special rules built into. Uh, spice things up um which definitely added to the chaos they definitely th- threw some games around uh, we had spawning zombies and pumpkins that gave tricks or treats depending on what you rolled that's really cool um, and there was a fancy dress component to it as well right yeah we were encouraged to come in fancy dress the store offered uh 15 crown uh, 15 pound store credit to the best fancy dress um so everybody well not everybody but most people took part in that and and gave it a good go everybody was uh really into it really friendly there was a break halfway through some people went went for a pint at the pub i didn't i went and walked around tesco dressed as a grim reaper with my son which uh got me some looks but yeah yeah the, the day the day was incredible um despite getting absolutely tonked and losing three of my games it was uh it was really so it's fun. Just four games in a day, basically. Four games, yeah. Kind of a Swiss style sort of. So the first round we were just randomly drawn, and then the second round it was the the top two scorers against each other, and then the next two, then the next two, to sort of thin it out a bit, and then each round after that it was based on where you where your current ranking was. Was it the first round you had a particularly rough game, game against the eventual winner? I think right. Yeah, so a chap called Ben Wright. Um, he's been playing since first edition, said he's been playing for about eight years. Um, obviously very enthusiastic and obviously plays the game quite a lot. And he had a, a Maison Labs list with, I can't remember what they're called, the big spider um, sort of I also model. can't remember. I've got one of them. I don't remember. Never actually Crast, taken Crast, it. Crastigore or something Crastodon like that. Crastodon or something. Yeah. It, it basically two big massive spiders that I got obsessed with and was spent all my time trying to kill them while he wiped my force out with everything else. So, um, but he yeah he obviously knew what he was doing and uh, he pretty much tabled me by by round three. Um, um, yeah, that was a uh, seventeen points to one. <laughs> but you got the one point though. We've really I got the one point. I made sure I, I did that just yes. before he finished me off. Yeah. Yes. Um, but it was good. It was educational. It turns out I'd been getting the rules wrong with the sniper rifle and sniper scope. Um, so he, he pointed that out to me because I kept 
I thought you could only use it once in a turn. But if you use a shoot action on your dice, you can actually use it again. And I didn't realize that. So, oh, okay. so I learned something from it as well. Which is good. Yeah, um, when the sniper works, it's really, really scary, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Mm. It's, it's definitely been... I've, I've made me play... With those four games, I'd probably played six games before that with various people in the shop. So I've had maybe 10 games with GCPS and, and the sniper has been MVP. The sniper and the mortar team between them. Although the mortar team is a bit more hit and miss. But. As someone that plays against the mortar, it is a pain in the... In the yeah. Yeah. When it hits, yeah, it's so, you know, oh, okay, all well, my guys are pinned again, great. Yes, unless um, you get a zombie spawn up in the same cube as it, and then it can't fire. <laughs> perfect. That's, funnily enough, that happened to me in one of the campaign games, when they had the um, the campaign last year, had something yeah. similar where zombies were spawning. I think they were escaping from the Maison Labs facility. Yeah. And um, I could basically that got me a draw, because the mortar couldn't fire for one turn, and I could actually activate my units. But... Yeah. Um, and which so fantastic and how many points was it 150 points the tournament uh yeah the the, the tournament lists were 150 points the f- four rounds each had a specific scenario each round so we all played um uplink was the first round um so you've you you don't have many objective points on the board there's just a two ones and a two but if you if you're in charge of that two or in control of that two at the start of a round then you can use it to change one of your command dice to whatever you choose that's which is cool. quite good second round was uh invade i was playing against Min in that one and that's the game that i won Yay. Um, managed to use my rangers to drop onto the the four point uh victory points at, at his end of the board uh and then my Lieutenant was Ranger Lieutenant was absolutely heroic as loads of vermin swarmed all over her, uh, and she would not die. And while they were swarming all over her, I was just picking her off from range with all my other weapons, my sniper especially. Um, so that was good. Um, round three was chem chase, which was fun. Um, obviously, the objective moves around each round in this one, so you roll a dice and wherever it lands. Um, but I was up against Nameless. I was against a guy called Matt. Um, and he had two of the big crab beasts. Uh, yeah. Again, I'm not very good with the names of them, but having never no, played against I, Nameless. I keep thinking it's a Maya lurk, but that's from Fallout. That's not right. I can't remember yeah. what they're called. I've got a load of them painted up. Yeah. But he had two of them in his list, and he had two of the crystal rifle men. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then his leader was the one that can... Um, use its ranged thing to reactivate one of his models. Um, it was like a brain, brain yeah. weird brain yeah. thing. Yeah, I mean, this was the good thing about the day. I'd never played Nameless before. I'd never played against Maison Labs before. Um, so I, I did come across some weird and wonderful things that I just didn't know what to do with. The two large crab things. Basically, he got. One of them uh, onto an objective, and that objective didn't move for two rounds. So he, he claimed, you know, loads of points off that. I just could, oh, okay. kept shooting my grenades at it, trying to blow it off this objective, and it just kept hitting a wall and bouncing back. Um, and because it was armored, it didn't actually hurt it. He just pinned it. Um, I think those 
so I've, I've only played the nameless i think once but i won that game really handily and i just took a load of really fast little scuttly things yeah and then about two of those massive crab guys and those massive crab guys they're pretty in, in they don't do much damage but they're so hard to kill so yeah that was the problem and objective. i just couldn't get them off the objectives so yeah. um but it, I, I mean it was a good game really enjoyed it and it was close it was only in the sort of the last turn that it was decided i think it finished uh 18 points to 11 or something like that 19 points to 11 yeah um so it sounded like a, a fairly comfortable victory but that all those points were sort of gathered in one turn um Really enjoyed it, and it was great for Matt as well because he's been playing, I think, since second edition, uh, but he'd never actually won a game until until I became his uh, his inaugural inaugural victory. Amazing! That was great. Yeah, it was great. Fantastic. And he was really good sport, you know, all day. He was like always smiling, even when he was losing. So it was yeah, fantastic to play against him. Um, and then the fourth game was strength in depth. Strength in depth, I think. Uh, so you set up in the corners on that one, and the the main victory points are in the kind of the opposite corners to what you set up in. Uh, I was against Adam and his plague list, and I just could not roll anything other than a one for the entire oh, game. Okay. I yeah. still enjoyed the game, but it's yeah. the only time in the day that I felt frustrated because the dice were just hating me in that game. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's nothing you can you can't. You can't say, oh, well, if I try something a little bit different, yeah. I might have got a different result. It's just, yeah, yeah. I just shouldn't roll ones next time. That's pretty my, sniper, my sniper was shooting from above using the sniper scope, etc., etc. I had six dice and I rolled four ones. I was six dice. And then the other two yeah, weren't much higher than that. There's like, nothing yeah. you can do with that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, disaster. Let's skip over that. And that was, so was that, that was the last game, I guess. Yeah, that was the last game. Oh, what a shame to end on a bomb note like that, but. Yeah, but it was still it was still a really fun day, and then we had um, sort of a presentation that Mantic had given some um, vouchers for the winners, second place and third place. So it was like sixty pounds of online credit, forty pounds and twenty pounds, uh, and then there were two wooden spoons, um, one for the person who came sixteenth, which was Matt, uh, and one for the person who got the least pumpkins, uh, which was also Matt. So he got two wooden spoons. Oh, there you go. But he also had to do the forfeit, which was apple, apple bobbing for a, for an apple. So he, he got a bit wet as well. Um, but yeah, it was, it was fantastic. The next tournament in February, tickets went on sale and sold out in a day. It's just gone. It says so, a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Amazing. But it's so great to have just, and other than somebody coming from Oxford, it sounds like it was a load of local people. Um. Uh, more than half were local I would say um, there were a couple of guys from Nottingham um, and Matt himself is from York which is probably a 40 minute drive so it's not it's not not local but yeah yeah, yeah. he has closest Still shots to him drive, yeah, right? yeah. yeah. Um, but most people were pretty local yeah amazing and how many so was it so hang on let's think about this so I think you mentioned Maison Labs won the tournament yes and yeah, yeah. Did, were was there anything particularly interested you know were there loads of gcps players or no no that was a really good spread every single faction had at least one person representing them so we had um nick was playing uh, reb's team i think uh he came fourth or fifth something like that i can't remember all the standings but 
Um, we had Plague, we had, we had two nameless teams, I think, uh, Enforcers, a couple of VMIN teams. I think I was the only GCPS player. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And what was uh, your command ability? Um, it's the one where you can re-roll uh, an indirect. So if you've, if you've got, um, if you use an indirect weapon and you miss, you can re-roll your dice, basically. Um, Is it which, just your mortar, or did you have something else as well? Uh, I had a veteran with a grenade launcher, so I had two indirect oh, weapons. Nice. But in all four games, I don't think I rolled a splat once. <laughs> so <laughs> I had plenty of extra shoots and things like that, but no splats. Oh, interesting. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I was happy with the list. I just don't think, A, I played it particularly well, and B, the uh, the people I played against just knew how to handle what i had i had no ap at all couldn't take anything with armor without really working on the shot sort of thing so but it was good in on another day things would have gone differently dice rolls would have gone differently zombies would have turned up differently yeah definitely and i mean at 150 points you're never going to be able to do everything no no. And and it is an objective based game. So yeah. I think there is a temptation to take loads and loads of AP to make to shoot at the strider, but it's not it's probably not the strider that wins someone the game. It's probably just getting cheap bodies on, on the objective points and that kind of thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm not disheartened and I'm not unhappy with my list. I might tweak it a little bit. I have a ranger with a thermal rifle that didn't seem to do an awful lot in any of the games, so I might swap him out for somebody else. On the since then, I've actually bought the the urban pacification box with the riot troopers in. So I might might stick a riot trooper in just to mix things up a little bit. So I've only played against them in firefight, but I've learned to hate the riot troopers. <laughs> good, they're that means they're good. Oh, they're horrible. With a medic, <laughs> just leave the medic in the mule and just keep healing them. Yeah. Yeah. They, oh, the amount of times I nearly killed them but didn't, and then they got healed back, and oh, yeah, they were horrible. Absolutely yeah. horrible. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, ha- I have actually bought them for my firefight list, but, you know, obviously I can cross the two over. The Still yet to play a game of firefight. Still very much looking forward to doing that. But I know there's um, at least two or three other people in the, in the shop that are wanting to do it, so we should, we should in the next couple of weeks be able to have a game, I think. Amazing. Amazing. How many How points, points do you think you'll manage? I think we're looking at a thousand. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fantastic. I, I mean, they might not all be completely painted at that point, but at least half will be. So. Amazing. Oh, that's really exciting. And that's you know two or three is a really good starting point to get you going. Yeah. And then once you're you're in the shop having fun playing it, other people will see you having fun and go, oh, because you know you. See yeah, that's it. Like I'm it. I'm going to try and circle back around and try and build up a bit more interest in Armada. At some point, there's there's not really any Armada players at the shop, as far as I'm aware. So I will circle back round. I have given a demo game of that to Craig, the Pathfinder. And he, he seemed to enjoy it. He's bought himself a fleet. So, um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see if I can encourage it. They're talking about doing a Kings of War sort of campaign next year. Um I haven't dipped my toes into Kings of War yet, but I am going to. It's just when rather than if. Um, so they're talking about doing like a an ambush campaign. So just 
all ambush games, but with some sort of like map based sort of narrative to it, I guess. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, still in, I mean, Craig only mentioned that last week, so it's still in its infancy that bit, but be interesting to see how it turns out. Um, probably going to be Empire of Dust, but we'll see. We'll see. I, I think it's a really interesting idea for a first army as well. Mm. So I'm going to get the, so I've got the two star, two player starter box coming. So I'm going to get a EOD ambush force and an ogres ambush force. and just leave it in the local shop with the book. Yeah. I'll demo it and things like that, but I'll just leave the models there. So hopefully people see them and go, Oh, this looks cool. Yeah. And I think our local shop has a couple of Kings of war armies that they, they, can let people use in demo games etc uh, i think they've got a dwarf army and something else can't remember um but yeah so hopefully i, I might be able to have a game before I've, before then so i know the rules a little bit um but yeah yeah it's great i've got a i've negotiated an agreement with the wife that i'm allowed to have two gaming days of nights a week so i'm down there two pretty regular two a week i know I know. Wow. I, bar- I bargained hard for that. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. But it's that Matt, all of a sudden it's like Mantic make a lot of good games. And I think you've got into the, um, I've completely forgotten what it's called. You know, the American Football Warhammer League Blood Bowl, right? Yeah, so I played my first league game of Blood Bowl. Again, that's another one that I remember playing from a teenage years. Um, I just love the kookiness of it because it's just like, it's American football with violence and with orcs and elves and, in my case, undead. Um, but yeah, we had a we had our first round of league games. That's um, once a fortnight, so it's not too taxing. Um, I won my first game, so I was pleased with that. Hey, there yeah. you go. Yeah, so it was good. Um, I know Mantic do a futuristic sort of version in Dreadball. I haven't tried that yet. I haven't. I don't think they might have it in, in the shop, but yeah, it's not. There's not really a scene for it at the minute. No, I picked it up last year, and I haven't. I I think I painted up a team and haven't played it. I think mm. it's supposed to be a good game, but it came out years ago. The models are okay, but very old. Yeah. And I think it was just kind of a Kickstarter they threw out there. I think the problem with that is. Everyone gets a ton of stuff in the Kickstarter, spends £200 or something getting, you know, 10 teams, all the pictures. And then don't need to buy anything. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But then it, exactly, it doesn't go anywhere because no one needs to buy new stuff. So you don't get that throughput of a new thing comes out. Oh, it keeps the excitement going. It just kind of sat there. So people always say, I mean, for example, the guys on the Dead Zone podcast, they say really good things. They love that game. Yeah, they're, um, they're always... Um, playing it at the conventions they go to and things like that so they're obviously very keen on it and I mean it sounds like a an easier game to get into in terms of it only takes an hour to 90 minutes to play a game I mean uh, we played Blood Bowl the other night it was two and a half hours for our game so it's a, it's a longer game but. yeah 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 good romantic yeah. game design cool um I think, I think that's, that's pretty, pretty much what I wanted to talk about, to be honest, Peter. It was just, um, it's just so cool seeing you, you know, getting yourself out there and, uh, you know, enjoying the games. It's really easy to do 
when people are so enthusiastic, the people that play the Mantic games are in, in the community, just all seem so welcoming, friendly, um, and and driven, you know, to, to sort of help people get into it and, and enjoy themselves. Um, everyone plays with a smile on their face. There's not hours of number crunching with the games the rules are simple enough that you can just play quickly and you know you're not you're not leafing through page after page um looking for specific rules for things and stuff like that so it's just really really helpful and then obviously you've got podcasts like yourselves and the dead zone podcast etc who all everybody's really you know positive generally um so yeah it's great uh, as as to how i found you by the way i just typed Mantic into Google Podcasts and you've got the right name because it brings you straight up. Yes. (laughs) Having a very simple podcast name pays off. But yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's just the games are so good. It's like, why aren't more people playing this? This is so much fun, you know, and it's the prices are reasonable. I think it it will get there. I think something that when I've spoken to other people, the, the thing that has held people back in the past is, is the models. And people just sort of have this perception that, you know, other other companies' models are just better. For me, I love the models. I think they're brilliant. They're not overly complicated. So as someone who's coming back into the hobby after a long time out, I didn't want scroll work on every single bit of armor and things like that. I wanted something nice and simple that I could just put four base coat colors on and a wash and then be happy with it, you know? Yeah. Um, so they've been the GCPS especially have been great for that. Fantastic. <clears throat> Perfect. Okay. Everybody, thank you so much for joining me. It's really cool. I don't know. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, no, no, it's fantastic. Yeah, just gives us a nice little bit of contact to throw in there, and um, hopefully your enthusiasm will uh, inspire other people, and we can just keep the whole thing rolling. Yes, my slightly zombified enthusiasm, but yeah, he's still there, <laughs> even feeling half half dead, still there. <laughs> there you go yeah peter was drinking until four o'clock in the morning last night copious right? amounts of rum yes Oof. yeah fireworks party followed by uh adult sort of gaming well gaming in terms of traditional pub games we were playing pool and darts and yeah in the garage Fantastic. was this at the pub or someone's house or no we've got a double garage and, and we've put a pool table in there it's, it's, it's kind of my gaming room really I've got the pool table for when we have parties, but it's got a lid, so I can then use it as a board gaming table as well. Uh, Perfect. You've thought it through. Yeah. Perfect. Um, So, yeah, fortunately, these parties don't happen very often. Otherwise, I would look a a lot more haggard than I do. (laughs) (laughs) I'm too old for that now, unfortunately. Although that kind of happened with the... um, with with the weekend when Clem was here, when we were like up up until three o'clock in the morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you don't plan for it; it just happens. It just happens. You look yeah, up at exactly. a clock and think, "Oh my god, how did it get to that time?" Yeah, exactly. It's kind yeah. of like, well, I suppose we should just go to bed, and then someone says, "Oh, how about a king, game of Kings of War?" Oh, I guess so. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how long does that take? Cool. Thanks, yeah. buddy. But I really oh. think I'll just point out that I am slightly older than you. <laughs> So you can't say you're too old yet. <laughs> I, <laughs> fair enough, buddy. But I, I think Ambush is such a great introduction to Kings of War because what really impresses me about it is 
it gets the epic, you know, because Kings of War, you really do get these amazing moments where it feels like a big battle and it feels dramatic and you get these great moments in the battle and you capture that with Ambush, which I wasn't quite sure you would. Yeah. And it is painting a heck of a lot less models. But to be honest, by the time you've painted up an Ambush Force, you'll go, okay, it's actually pretty fun doing that. It's not that much more, and I've got a full 2,300 points army. So I think it's a super, super smart way to get get fresh people doing Kings of War. Yeah, I think it's a brilliant move, brilliant move yeah. by Mantic to do it. Yeah. yeah, it makes perfect sense. Because Vanguard kind of wasn't, it wasn't, right? Because you're painting up individual models, but your individual models them for the most part kind of a different thing to a kings of war army because you're not going to be using those model most of those models in your kings of war army so yeah and i think that's where mantic also got it right in terms of the the warpath side of things in terms of what what you have for dead zone is fully translatable into what you have for firefight yeah, that's definitely. what they really they really hit the nail on the head with that one as well so definitely yeah. and, it's, and it's because kings of war you think because it's a kind of rank and flank game, you think, oh, it's going to be complicated. It's in a good way, such a simple game. Yeah. Like, like someone's first game, you know, about halfway through, they'll just get it and go, okay, it kind of clicks. You know, yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and it's kind of the same with Firefight, where yeah, it's more models than Dead Zone, but actually it's so streamlined in a really good way that okay, well, I'm activating this unit and I'm going up here and I'm going on the objective or I'm shooting or whatever. Yeah, and, and I'm only measuring that one model and then everything else just gets chucked around it. And totally. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I hate that about those games where I, I would get really fussy of like, oh, if I measured that properly and I'm measuring from all the different models and stuff and like, mm. it does away with all that fuss. It's, it's really, really, I'm so impressed by Firefight and I wasn't sure I would be. I, I'm, I thought it'd be a good game, but I thought, well, I've got Kings of War and I've got Dead Zone. That's pr- and I had a milder. It's probably enough games. And then I played Firefight, and I'm like, okay, I'm playing Firefight. Well, you know, you are the Mantic Universe podcast. You have to have all the games. So I am speaking to my good friend Manuel, who joined us recently for our weekend of fun. And you managed to do a 2,300 point Basilian Horde army in five days, if that's correct. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> so I thought it'd be great if we could just have you to just to give us a quick chat, because I'm sure we have a lot of listeners who are put off by the amount of models in Kings of War. And mm-hmm. it doesn't help, I think, when people like Ronnie say it'll take two years to do a Mantic King, Kings of War army. And I think that's just complete nonsense. And the fact you did it in five days kind of shows it's complete nonsense. It doesn't. If you want to, you can take two years. Sure. But you can do one in five days if you really go for it. Yeah, right. If you have the time, if you have like the right preparation, the right mindset, um, you can do it quite fast. Yeah. So um, I wouldn't generally agree with like um, armies take that or that long. It highly depends on how you do it and and um, how you want to do it. Basically, it's it's a lot about 
like you have to think a little bit different when painting an army and if you want to do it in a certain amount of time then you would think when like painting only a handful of miniatures that's uh, a big difference in, in the approach itself so to get it done in five days i guess the kind of the deadline was a big motivator to do it so quickly right yeah, basically, <laughs> that's the main thing. You need a, or you should have a deadline. Basically, um, I, some of my armies are um, also after two years uh, they are half painted or something like that. So I'm I'm not always doing it that fast. But whenever I have a deadline where I want the miniatures to be painted, um, that's when I um, try to make it happen. That's when I try to make it work and I try to find ways to do it. And that's like the first thing you should do. You should like set yourself a deadline and you should try to find a technique that works and saves you time um, to get there, basically. And what was it that made you decide the Basilians originally or Basalians? I'm never saying that right, I think. I think I will always say it wrong. Um, that's a good question. Um, actually, I wanted to do the, the army for quite a while. And then when your uh, weekend was like on the horizon, I um, was thinking about doing uh, an army, especially for, for the weekend. I wanted to have something new. And um, then I decided to, after a little bit of, of um, thinking about which army, I decided to just go for the Brazilians, basically because I always like was you know, there was a little bit of hesitation about the quality of the models and if I like, really like them in person because I don't like the the, the pictures, um, the mantic pictures of, of the army that well. So I I just bought them and then I decided to, yeah, let's let's try to make this happen in like, um, I think it was two weeks in, in overall. So two weeks before the weekends, uh, the weekend, the, the miniatures arrived. So I basically um, had two weeks to completely build them and then completely paint them. And to make things even worse, I decided to um, not go for go for a multi-basis um, where I would have saved a lot of miniatures. Um, I decided to leave them on single basis. Um, so I had to really, except for, for a few regimental filler bases that I built, um, I had to really do the amount of models that you would need for a horde so a horde would be 40 models or in, i think it was like 36 something because i had like one filler in that in that horde so it was stupid as well so i could have done it even faster than five days so i, I built the army that took me around one week i think to build everything and then i started painting and uh, that took me five days amazing and actually i'm in the same boat as you right I don't like the look of the Basilian army on the box, yeah. but actually then I see your, your army painted. It looks awesome. So cool. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, basically, um, I think I, I, the main difference is that I uh, went for a completely different um, color scheme, basically. So I decided to not go for um, that bright, shiny, um, bluish uh, theme Mantic has done. Um, I instead went for a much darker um, theme. I, I chose a dark red and a lot of silver metal parts. Um, I will come to that in a moment because that saves a lot of time. Um, if you go for a more darkish theme, you can paint it basically faster than, than a brighter theme, um, I would say. And so that's that, kind of the theme for your army as well, right? Is like corrupted. 
Yeah, right. The Salians, right? Yeah, right. So so maybe one or two um, of the listeners might have seen the army on um, the Kings of War Fanatics group. Right now, I'm in the process of removing them from the single bases and doing multi bases because I found out it's completely impractical to keep them on <laughs> single bases. And I, you know, you remember on the weekend, I like half of my regiments most of the time were out of order because I miniatures would just fall off the bases. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, I went for a completely different approach what the the theme of the army was so I wanted to do like a dark perverted corrupted version of Basilians and um, that makes it easier to paint actually because you can paint more sloppy and it still looks good you don't have to paint clear and bright and everything has to be perfect that's one of the advantages to go with a dark scheme yeah definitely buddy definitely yeah and when you have them all ranked up they look really good. I think as well you kind of had, although you individually based models, I think you had um, kind of a powerful idea, like a, a really cool idea. See, I think you 3D printed some kind of like dark crystal type. Yeah, right. For the bases, right? And that, that looks really good. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, basically um, one of the, the things I... Um, so that's a little bit of my, about mindset. That's that's what I was talking about in the, in the beginning. Uh, mindset means I decided to... Um, to not go for, like, not paint single miniatures and make them look good or make them look um, okay-ish. I always treated a whole regiment or a whole horde of models as one big model, basically. So if you miss a spot here and there on a single model, it doesn't really matter because in the end, if you, you like, put them down on the on the board as a whole regiment, it will still look good overall. And if you add like little elements like my 3D printed um, crystals, dark red crystals that, that came that grow out of the um, like, like like the landscape, um, if you add those details, it doesn't matter if your your miniatures are painted perfectly. So that's one of the the easy ways to just cut a lot of time um, when when painting an army is basically to to not think about like I have to paint 120 individual models. Um, instead, you have to think about I have to paint five regiments and each regiment is a, a one big model, basically. Um, so. Takes a lot of takes away a lot of stress to do everything perfect, basically. Yeah. And what did you do, buddy, for your for your kind of because you did individually base models but then did you you kind of have magnets to put them on what was the what were kind of the multi-basing aspect of that yeah i had um clem actually um cut me some some wooden um, bases in the in the right footprint size and i put some i think it is ferrofoil in, in english i don't know the word i am german if you if you haven't heard it yet um <laughs> Um, he cut me some bases in the in the right size, and then I put some ferrofoil on them. And basically, I put um, magnetic um, foil under each um, individual base of the models, and so they stick on the on the on the regiment bases. But the main problem is if you are not having, you know, you know these uh, traditional regimental bases that you had in like old Warhammer editions or so that have that lid around around them was really like a two millimeter lid or so around the whole regiment. 
And that's not how I did it. And that's basically the problem, because if you like want to pick up your regiment and you will always do pressure on the single miniatures on the basis of the single miniatures, and they will just fly around. And that's not cool. So Particularly I when you're trying to play quickly and yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's such it's, a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. The idea was was pretty brilliant, I think. Uh, because I wanted to use them in, in other game systems as well, um, like for um, skirmishes or one-page rules or whatever. Um, but it didn't really work, so now I'm cutting them off their single basis and putting them on multi-basis. That's the step right now. Nice. And how did you feel? I know you're still kind of working on the project, but how mm -hmm. did you feel when you finished it? Were you pretty burnt out or did you, were you feeling okay? Um, tired. A mixture between tired and proud, I think. So basically, one of the things you have to mention, because people say, wow, five days. I was having like five days off at that time or two weeks off, basically. So a lot of time to spend with with a hobby that's you can't really do it in uh, five days, just one one hour or two in the evening. That won't happen in five days then. So basically, you have to, to have the time for that. And I think I did like six to eight hours of painting per day over those five days uh, basically um, like I think three four over the, the course of the day and then three four hours in the evening and um, at the end I was pretty tired because that's not an amount of painting I'm used uh, to do actually actually I, I, I don't even like painting that much that's much that's basically the problem I do these um, rushed paint jobs basically because I want to get rid of the models um, as soon as possible. That's, just get it done. Yeah. Just get it done. Just have painted miniatures that look decent overall, but um, I don't want to spend like lots and lots and lots of hours to do it. And the basis, so you had your 3D printed kind of crystals kind of corrupting mm -hmm. the ground, and then you also have some blue tufts, I think. Is that right? Yeah, that's neon blue uh, tufts. I like. When doing bases in general, I like to to add some some contrast that a lot of people think is way too much. I like working with like neon colors or something really popping colors. And um, I decided to blue is a color that doesn't appear anywhere in, in my color scheme um, on the models. But I decided to like give the the bases a um, blue grayish amount of like sand, dry sand, whatever. So a little bit of a bluish touch. And then I just added these, um, I think it's from Gamers Grass, Alien Tufts. Um, they're called Alien Tufts. And they are like bright blue. So um, that really sticks out and, and makes adds a lot to the overall look of the models, basically, yeah, as well. Definitely. It's very striking. It, it reminds me of kind of like a dark comic book kind of a vibe. And, yeah. um, and when you came to picking your colors, was it so you've got like kind of silver armor, lots of browns, and then kind of like red glowing eyes kind of thing, I think. Yeah, I think. So one of the things I learned, I think it was actually Angel Giraldes, so one of the best painters in the world, actually. Um, I, a few years ago, I saw a video uh, by him where he explained that if you want to save a lot of time painting a model, you should um, do a, an easy approach on the model itself, but you then should take your time uh, a few minutes per model to have one or two details that really pop. So I stayed basically, I just applied the base colors on, on the model. I even primed them. I think the paladins and the like the men at arms who have a lot of silver armor, a lot of metal armor. I primed, primed them with a silver primer actually. 
So I only had to paint like the um, uniforms in, in red and like belts in, in, in brown and such uh, things. And when I when I did that, um, I did the good old quick shade over um, the whole model. I think quick shade is one of the things people seem to have forgotten since contrast paints um, exist out there. And um, in the end, after everything was dried, I like I decided to add some glowing, some dark reddish glow effects to the models to make them look like a little bit evil and a little bit like eerie, um, discomforting to, to look at them. And so I went for, um, I pa actually painted all eyes white um, in a really bright white and then added a fluorescent ink, red ink over them. So I had on every model, I had like a few parts that were had like this, this demonic red glow. And I did the same with the crystals that came out of the bottom um, of the ground. Um, and then with an airbrush, I sprayed a little bit of that um, of that fluorescent ink on all models to make like to simulate a little bit of like reddish light that they are standing in. And that actually, that's a thing I have also done with my like my plague army for firefight, um, where principle is like exactly the same. I print the models in, in like the easiest way possible, and then I just took my airbrush and sprayed some some really bright green um, ink over the models from different directions, and that created like a sick um, atmosphere to the to the models, like makes them look really as if they are like contagious. And that's the same. I did the same with them, with my Brazilians, and that's one of the easiest tricks, I think, to add character to your army, but also save a lot of time because you don't have to paint that many details. Just pick out one or two, make them really stand out, make them pop, do something that contrasts the models nice on the base. And then if you want to choose a mood color, something that sets a special atmosphere for your army, and if you have like choosing an airbrush or do a light dry brush with uh, a color um, over the models from different directions to simulate a little bit of a special light situation the models are standing in. And the result is just like, I would say, okay-ish painted models. But if you look at the whole, uh, at the army as a whole, it tells, first of all, it tells a story because it, it really has a, an atmosphere that you're not expecting from Brazilians. And also overall, um, the atmosphere that creates is just um, it's just super nice. I like that. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree, buddy. And I, I that I think that was a great tip from Angel or Angel. Um, that's a that's a really fantastic tip. I've not heard that before, but it makes a lot of sense, and I can kind of see it in your army. And um, to what you said about don't worry about the individual models it's how the unit or the regiment or the the army looks all standing together i think it's completely true and when your army's all standing together i think it looks absolutely great and it looks very fearsome yeah right and that's like like i think you you do it quite the same if i look at your like um, I played against uh, your salamanders on, on the weekend, and I think um, your salamanders just have that overall fiery theme to them that just makes them, as a whole army, look so coherent, so um, like they belong together, even if you like they had a little bit of variation in the colors uh, between them. And that's same. I did the same with my uh, like Brazilians. So like the sister models, for example, the, the uh, sister scouts and the sister, um, yeah, the sisters in general, um, 
they don't have a lot of red on them. I, I chose to to keep them more on the black gray side uh, with the colors um, to like do like a reverse color scheme with them. And because of that red glowing parts that I added to them as well, um, they still look as if they belong to the rest of the army, just um, fine. Because I I, I took that one um, step, adding that reddish glow to everything that makes it look coherent and like one army, basically. Yeah, definitely, and all your bases are uniform, etc. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Right. And what I was kind of, I think, what I was kind of half expecting when someone does an army so quickly. And when you say you're doing Basilians, what I was half expecting was like, you're just going to get some Stormcast Eternal, say, right, these guys are Palace <laughs> Ogres. I'm going to paint four or five of those per regiment or per horde, rather. Mm -hmm. And you didn't do that at all. It <laughs>